0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. You students, make sure you have that gear list ready. It sounds more like a fishing trip than a, a camping uh, trip. Anyway, I don't think you need much gear, but you do need some uh, things, to, some sleeping uh, stuff. So anyway, uh, good, to, good to see you all this morning as we're back in our series called Kingdom, and we're in Acts chapter 3. Now, Acts chapter 3 is pretty fascinating because it has a lot of stuff going on, and it actually is Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, which we're not going to do all the day. Amen? Amen. <laughs> okay, but you're looking at your bulletin and you say, you look like we're going to do plenty. Well, it won't take that long, I promise you, um, but we, we, I don't know if you ever feel like <clears throat> things are not moving, like you're just getting no movement in your life, and I often talk. And when I say movement, I'm talking about kingdom movement. That's what we're talking about in this series. Um, what what it is about the kingdom? As Jesus said, man, he he came and he interacted with them for a 40 day period after he rose from the dead. A lot of times we don't think about that. That's quite a long time. For over a month, Jesus was appearing intermittently, and he was giving instruction and talking um, to the disciples, to the apostles about. The kingdom of God—that's what Acts chapter one teaches us—and then He ascended, and He told them that the Spirit would come. And one of the things that we we're trying to look at as we go through this series and think about what it means for the modern-day church, what it means for us, is how does the kingdom move? Um, we had the Q and A last week, and and someone sort of brought up the question. I believe it was Preston said, um, "You know, how do we how do we know when the Holy Spirit?" is at work in our lives. What do we look for? And we, I think we look for the appearance of the Lord showing up, not where we can see him with physical eyes, but we certainly can see him with spiritual eyes, and we know that the Lord is at work in a particular situation. And so sometimes it feels like um, things are moving, and sometimes it feels like things are not. But we can look at people in the kingdom, and we go, man, it seems like they're pretty consistent with the kingdom moving in their life, over and over, and a lot of times we look to them as leaders within the kingdom. I hope that I can be a person that other people look at me, and you can see the kingdom is moving in my life. It's breaking out in different ways. It's breaking out in my marriage. It's breaking out in my parenting. It's breaking out in my friendships, um, the relationships I have in the community, and and the kingdom is just moving in and around and through my life. Well, I think that as we look at the Book of Acts and we study the New Testament. That is supposed to be the norm. Like, like, it's supposed to be that way for everyone, not just the people on staff at the church. It shouldn't be that you're coming to church on a weekly basis and you're experiencing me being fired up and the worship team being fired up and you go, okay, I got my fix from them. That's not the way this thing works at all. Um, the way it works is that we come together and the kingdom has been moving in all of our lives. And so the kingdom's moving in your life, the kingdom's moving in my life. We come together, we sing these songs, um, we learn about the word, we're challenged from it, and everything is enhanced because we all are experiencing the kingdom breaking out in our lives. And sometimes someone might come and the kingdom hasn't been breaking out in their lives, or maybe it's never broken out in their lives, but they sense something is different. They sense a power, they sense a presence of the Lord in us, we sing that song. We sang the song this morning Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill this place, flood the atmosphere. Well, obviously, the Holy Spirit's welcome wherever He wants to go, right? But what we're saying in that song is we're proclaiming that this is a place where we are, we, we are really in tune with that. That's what we want to see happen. And so, the kingdom should be breaking out in your life. And if it's not breaking out in your life, then it's time to ask some serious questions. About why? Why is it not breaking out? And what do I need to do to shift and change in my life, regardless of whether you're a student um, still coming into adulthood, or you're an adult, raising children, or you're you've been uh, alive for eighty years. The kingdom ought to be breaking out in different ways in your life. We read, uh, I'm reminded of this. Um, Paul teaches in Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. And so Paul is talking to the Ephesian church, and he's talking to them about how the kingdom is, is breaking out and moving, and he's he's talking about a prayer over them and how what he expects for them, what he hopes for them, what he wants to see happen in their lives. And he says, Men, that the, the God, He does immeasurably more than we could not only ask in prayer, but imagine in our minds. And so the question becomes, what are we talking to God about? What are we imagining? Because the scripture says that he will exceed those expectations. He will go beyond our expectations when we are in tune with him. So we go back to Acts chapter 3 in the first 11 verses and how this whole thing starts out is it's setting up, Luke is what he's done, is he's, he's already shared one sermon, the first sermon that Peter preached, the first sermon that was ever preached in the church. Peter preaches the sermon, 3,000 people come to Jesus, and the church comes out of the ground. He's talked to us about how the Holy Spirit came, and uh, how Jesus had, had talked about the, the Holy Spirit would come, and the Holy Spirit actually did come upon them, and that first sermon happened as that event took place, and then... <clears throat> We move into uh, we're we're setting up the second sermon, and so Peter, or I'm sorry, Luke, he can't tell us everything that happened, but he's writing this letter to this guy by the name of Theophilus, and he's telling him, "Man, this is this is what happened in the church. This is how this all came about." So Luke is a first-hand uh, witness, or giving account of other first-hand witnesses of what actually happened in the beginning of the church. So as we read this um, this information that we have in Acts. When we look at the Bible, sometimes people say, well, you know, the the Bible, I just can't get into all that mythological stuff. That's not what it is. It's historical stuff. It's historical stuff that tells us a story about God. It's not a history book, but it does have a history record. And so the book of Acts is the history of the beginning of the church, which tells us as we're trying to listen to what does the Lord want us to do, what does it mean to follow him, we can look at the things that we learn in the book of Acts and we can learn how we're supposed to be living and what should be happening in our lives and what are the expectations that God has for us. So when we get here to chapter 3, we have this incredible sermon that Peter gets to preach to all these people. Where do the people come from? Well, it starts with the first 11 verses, and there's a story. It says that Peter and uh, John were on their way to the temple to pray. And they would often the Jewish people would go to the temple and they would pray three times a day. And one of the times that they would go pray is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, Peter and John grew up as Jewish boys, and so they're still practicing some form of Judaism. This is what they learned all their lives. And the temple is still there. Now, we know later the temple is going to be destroyed and things get shifted in a major way. But one of the things the Jewish people did is they went to the temple and they prayed. And so Peter and John, they know Jesus as the Messiah. Most of the people that are at the temple and praying don't know Jesus as the Messiah. I wasn't planning on preaching about that, but there's a lesson in thinking that. I think there are a lot of people that come to church and and they don't know why they come to church and they don't really know Jesus as the Messiah, as the Lord and Savior of their lives. They're here. You may not even know why you're here right now. Some of you may be saying, I know exactly why I'm here. My dad told me he was going to slap me on the back of the head if I didn't get out of bed, right? But why are we here? Well, I'm here because I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That he was God in the flesh and he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. He made a sacrifice of himself to atone for me. And as I receive him as the perfect sacrifice, I am forgiven and I'm walking in a relationship with him. I am a follower of Jesus. And so here these guys are going to the temple and, and they know the Lord and they're just doing their thing. And as they make their way into the temple, lo and behold, there's this guy that they, somebody has set. He's he, he set there at the uh, port of Solomon uh, by Solomon's colonnade by the temple gate uh, that's called Beautiful. <clears throat> and he's, he's been unable to walk his entire life. He's 40 years old. How do we know he's 40 years old? Because the chapter 3 tells us later. And so for 40 years, this guy, somebody's been carrying this guy and sitting him At this temple gate called Beautiful. Now, why were they sitting him there? Because he had to beg for a living. That's the only way he could provide for himself. And so he would beg alms for the poor. And it was a good place to put him because people who were going to the temple were already thinking about um, sacrificing something from themselves in their time by going and talking to God and praying as the Jewish people were supposed to do. So people already had a compassionate heart, at least toward God, as they were making their way to the temple. So why not take this man, his friends, he, they would put him there for 40 years. Now just stop and think about that for a moment. For 40 years, for four decades, people have been carrying this man and sitting him here, and he's been begging all of his life since he's been old enough in order to be able to take care of himself and provide for himself. And so there he is um, begging, and and Peter and John are making their way. It's just a normal day for them. They're making their way to the temple. They're going to pray, and as they're going to pray, they pass by the temple gate called Beautiful, and this gentleman sees them coming, and, and I don't know what he saw, but maybe he saw something different in them, and he thought, looks like I might be able to get a collection from these fellows. And so he looks at them, and he, or maybe he doesn't look at them. He notices they're coming, and, <clears throat> and he says, alms for the poor. Do you have any alms for the poor? And Peter and John stop, and they look at him. And it says they look straight at him, and they said, look at us. And so now I take away from that that the guy was probably so ashamed of his condition as we can sometimes be beat down, especially in a situation like that where there's a physical ailment where people won't even look at us. And they said, look at us. And so the man looks up at him. And Peter says, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. He reaches out his hand. He takes a hold of the guy's hand. The guy takes a hold of his hand. He pulls him to his feet, and he is healed instantaneously. Not like a healing what we might see today, what I think is um, fabricated and not real because I don't think that the uh, apostolic gifting that we see in the New Testament is given for the entire church. I've never healed anybody like this. I have no expectation to heal anybody like this because I think that that age has closed. It was to authenticate the message of the gospel itself and it was reserved for the apostles. Now, do I believe healing takes place today? Yes. When we pray and we ask the Lord for healing, sometimes the Lord heals and sometimes he doesn't. But these guys had the ability to do miraculous healing. And so this is one of those cases where it happens. And so the guy jumps to his feet and he's praising God. And, and like he is, he is just blown away. And he won't let go of them, verse 11 says. And then all of these people come gathering around because they sense that something has just taken place. And everybody recognizes is it's the man that's been uh, lame for 40 years has been healed. And they're all amazed. And so next week when we get into the uh, verses 12 and following, Peter looks at it and it's an opportunity for him to preach the gospel. And he takes uh, advantage of it and he begins to talk to them about this amazing thing that just happened. And so when we look at it and we go, we look at this guy and we think about how the kingdom moves, I think there's some observations that should be made for us um, that I see that could help us as we're trying to look and go, how can I be sure that the kingdom is breaking out inside of me as I go to work? How can I be sure that when I go to the, uh, the kids' ball games that the kingdom is breaking out of me and, and, and doing things in my life to where I am sure that, man, the kingdom is moving in and around and through me? And so here's the first observation that I think we should take away. First of all, the kingdom is always moving, so we need to be ready. You may not be experiencing the kingdom moving, but it is not because the kingdom is not moving. It is because you are not ready for the kingdom to move. And what's that tell us? It tells us that we've got to find ways to keep ourselves um, sensitive to what God is doing in the world. Because how does God do things in the world? He does it through people. That's what we see all the way through the New Testament. He's always using people to advance um, his agenda, which is all about his kingdom. Even as we look at the people of Israel, what are they? They are chosen people. Why are they chosen? To tell the story of God. God is always acting through people. He always has. He always will. That's why it was important for him to become A person, because he acts through people. Why is it important for God to act through people? Because he's trying to talk to people, okay? Now, does God act in other ways? Yes, he acts in other ways. He acts through nature, but what is he doing in nature when he does something naturally and and there's a miraculous event? He's trying to interact with people who are living in nature, but God uses all of us as instruments within the kingdom. So the kingdom is always moving. Peter and John, it's just a normal day for them. It's just a normal part of their rhythm. They did not plan for this. They were not sitting around in a meeting going, okay, how could we get people together to figure out how we could share the gospel with them? They didn't do that. What did they do? They were just doing the normal things that they always did. And because they were ready, they noticed that the kingdom was breaking out in this particular moment. And I think it's important for us to realize uh, that this is, this is essential for us to understand about the kingdom. We must expect, live expecting the kingdom to break out in us and through us. It's very important. We'll get to that here. We'll get more on that here in a moment. But we we need to be living, like today, you got all this stuff ahead of you. Like, I don't know what all is going to happen in my day-to-day, but I always want to be looking and expecting that the kingdom is going to break out in me some way, whether it's me interacting with my, my boys, I say, my boys, because my girls are all gone. Last night, we, we, went and we planted a garden. We'd never done that before. And we had dinner late. And guess what we ate? About 9 o'clock. Homemade biscuits and gravy. Amen. That's what guys do, right? So we had a good dinner. And so, so but I, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know exactly where all I'm going and what all I will do or who all I will see. But I want to go throughout the remainder of the day expecting that if the Lord wants the kingdom to break out in me in some way, and how could it break out? Well, I could get convicted over something. I could do something that immediately I know that I should not have done, like my attitude with another person. And then the kingdom could break out in me to where the Lord convicts me to go apologize to that person. And that's the kingdom breaking out. The kingdom could break out in me in such a way that I interact with a person thats that doesn't know the Lord. And I might be used in that person's life to help them move one step closer to the Lord just by simply planting a seed. I may get the incredible experience of actually leading someone to make that decision and watching them come to spiritual life in Christ. I don't know. But if I'm not expecting it, there's a good chance that I could miss it. And that's what I see that these guys did is they, they were always ready. And we will see this over and over. We will see things happening in the positive in the kingdom, when people are living, ready for the kingdom to break out in them or through them. Here's the second thing. People who pray see the kingdom move. What were these guys doing? They were going to the temple to pray. We're in chapter 3, three times we've been told that the church is about prayer. Like I'm intentionally pausing right here. People of the kingdom are people who pray not pray over a meal, not pray when they're scared to death, they pray. If you are not praying, you are not acting like a person of the kingdom. There's just no way around it. Like people of the kingdom talk to the king. Now, why is that important? Well, we see that Peter and John were men of prayer, and prayer is important because it keeps us sensitive to the kingdom. Um, and it, 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 it creates expectation and confidence in us. When we have things that we're talking to God about and we see him beginning to move, then it creates a greater level of expectation when we're talking to God about it. And then when we see it happen, then we are, our confidence grows and it causes us to go deeper in prayer from that point. I talk about this um, a lot in my sermons because it's part of my rhythm. It's part of my life. I have a huge whiteboard in my office, four foot by eight foot. And I pray over things that are on that whiteboard. And and I pray over you guys. I talk about how daily each of you who are a part of this church, I pray over you one day of the week. I call your name out in prayer and ask the Lord to grow and stretch you. And I'm expecting that he's going to do that. And when I see him do it, guess what I get to say to you? I've been praying for you. Like, if you're a part of this church, you're not here, and I don't pray for you. I consistently pray for you. Why? Because I'm expecting God to do things in your life. I'm expecting the kingdom to break out in your life. If it is not breaking out, and you do attend this church, and I'm praying for you, guess what's going to happen in your life? It's not going to be comfortable for you. Like, you're going to get frustrated. Why? Because somebody is talking to God about you. And expecting that things are going to happen in your life. And you're pushing back about the kingdom trying to break out in you. And as long as you push back, you're rebelling against who? The king. And so things are going to get more difficult for you. And so you got to be a person who is a person of prayer because it will raise your expectation and confidence in the Lord. Prayer is not designed to make us good. Okay? Like you can't be good. All you can do is possess the righteousness of Christ because he bestows it upon you because you in faith believe in him and have accepted the free gift of life that comes through him just giving you unmerited favor, which we call grace. And so prayer is not designed to make you good. Like you either are righteous or you are not righteous. What makes you righteous? Christ. That's it. So prayer is not designed to make us good. It is designed to keep us in tune with the king and his kingdom. So we consistently want to be talking to the king about his kingdom so that we are consistently ready when the kingdom decides to break out. We don't um, miss it. And this one, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I saw it and thought I'd throw it in here. Um, If you want to catch fish, you must fish where fish are. Right? Now, man, geez, amen on that. I've been trying to catch catfish. I cannot find them. Okay? And it's frustrating. I talked to Jack today. Jack is the greeter that was by the door, one of our younger greeters, I mean, one of our students, and he's fired up, man. He's fired up. He says, yeah, I've been getting all my stuff ready. I'm getting ready to go to Canada to go fishing. And he's excited, and he said, I said, well, man, you make sure they take you and put you on some pike. I said, don't let them fish for walleye all day. No, 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 no. Our plan, he said, is we're going to limit out in the walleye real early, and then we're going after the pike. And we're fishing from sunup to sundown, Jimmy. That's what he said. So you guys who are going, y'all better be ready. (laughs) Uh, But Jack is excited. Why? Because here's the thing about why so many men go to Canada. That's where the fish are. Like there are tons of fish up there, and they haven't all been fished, and they're not as pressured, and you just catch fish. Okay, so that's what these guys were doing. I think in them going to the temple, they're going around people who are what? Seeking God, and they're confused about the God that they are seeking because their leaders have told them um, that that Jesus was not the Messiah. Peter and John believe Jesus is the Messiah, and they're going right up in there with them. Okay, so they're bound to catch some fish. Over and over, we see the church. Um, What did Paul do when he went from town to town? One of the first things he did is he would go to the synagogue. Why? Because people who were seeking God, who were confused about God, were in that location. And so if you want to catch fish, you got to fish where fish are. Um, And I don't want to spend any more time on that. (laughs) Here's the next thing. Intentionally, oh, this is so important. Intentionally see things as opportunities instead of interruptions. Like this is a big one for us. They did not see the beggar as an interruption to what they were doing. Do you know what a lot of us would have done when we saw the beggar? I ain't got time for that, man. I got to get to prayer meeting. I'm going to miss prayer meeting if I stop and talk to this guy. On to the poor. What's up, bro? Now, we may not do that on prayer meeting, but we might do it on the way to Price Chopper. I don't have time to talk to this person. Like, do you know how busy I am right now, lady? Like, I need to finish getting my groceries. I've got things to do. You see, we're seeing things as interruptions instead of opportunities. If our life is owned by the king, then everything we are encountering is ordained of the king. So we need to be ready to see in a moment when we may be having a conversation whether or not the kingdom is trying to break out through this individual or this individual may say something that helps the kingdom to break out in me. And so um, interestingly, they never made it to the temple. Like they never got to where they were going. And all the people who were going to the temple came to them. And we'll see that they got to preach this incredible sermon and a couple of thousand more people came into the kingdom. And so whenever the Lord um, brings you uh, uh, something that may uh, may appear to be an interruption, you have to go, wait, this could be an opportunity where the kingdom is trying to break out in this person. And so they could have easily let this pass them by, but they didn't and they saw the kingdom move. Here's the next one. This really, really important. You can only give what you possess. <clears throat> they ask him for money. We didn't got any cash. We know they didn't have having cash because they said they were giving everything they had to help each other out because of the new kingdom that had come out of the ground. And all these people are now living in Jerusalem. And so they were just kind of pooling their money together to try to take care of each other. We learned that in the last part of Acts chapter two. And so they asked this, this guy asked them for, for money, and there's like silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have is Jesus Rise and walk. Now, why is that important? Because to see the kingdom move in others, it must be moving in us. Like you cannot share what you do not have. You cannot share freedom if you're not experiencing freedom. When's the last time Jesus set you free? From something in your life? When's the last time you felt freedom? I'm reminded of what Paul tells us in Galatians it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So, when's the last time you've had an experience where you felt the freedom of Christ? Because the freedom in Christ is what creates the joy in us, and joy is contagious and is easy to share. One of the reasons we're so terrified about sharing our faith is because we don't have anything to share. If you got it, it's no problem to share. If the Lord is doing something in you, you wanna talk about, about it. If he's not doing anything in you, you're terrified to talk about it. It is for the, like when you see the Lord doing things in your life, it is good news that you see happening in and around you and you wanna talk about it. And so it, it, we need to understand that we cannot give what we do not possess, so it's important for us to keep uh, our place our, ourselves in these positions where we're ready, We're praying so that we're sensitive. We're expecting God to move. We're putting ourselves in positions where where there are people that can be caught for the kingdom. And we see um, opportunities as opposed to seeing things as interruptions. And then we have what we have to uh, give away, which is our freedom in Christ. Uh, The next one is your identity must be healthy. Okay, What, what did they say? In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. I think a lot of times our attitude would be, um, let me show you what I can do here, John. Pete said, watch this, John. And then he's going to go heal the guy. That would be the wrong identity, okay? He said, so let me show you how good I can teach. Let me show you how much I know about the Bible. Let me show you how I can answer um, this for you in your life. Like you're having problems with your marriage? Let me tell you about how to have a good marriage. Instead of... Let me tell you what Jesus did in my brokenness. Like that's what people need to hear. They don't need to hear how much you have figured out. They need to hear how broken you were and how much freedom you have because God has fixed you. We're scared to talk about our brokenness. Our brokenness is the most beautiful thing about us because if we are really broken and we have uh, surrendered that brokenness to the Lord, then he has repaired it, he has redeemed us and there is a testimony to share. What we're going to see over and over—the first thing Paul did when he's asked—he talks about how broken he was, how 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 bad he was against the church, and how he encountered Jesus, and Jesus did a work in his life, and Jesus is the Messiah. That's what all these guys do. That's what we're supposed to be doing—is being comfortable with our brokenness. And I might add, their identity was healthy because they were comfortable in their brokenness. Why were they comfortable in their brokenness? Because they were not broken anymore. Why were they not broken anymore? because they were willing to let their brokenness go up to Jesus. If you're still holding on to your brokenness, then the master physician can do no work in your life. And that's, that's, again, we go back to the previous point. We don't possess the freedom that we could be sharing because we're not surrendering our brokenness to the Lord and allowing Him to repair it. And when the Lord repairs something in your life, man, it is good news and you want to share it with others. And so don't be afraid to share your brokenness. That is an extremely healthy thing to do. Um, and so he says in the name of Jesus walk and their power and authority came from their identity with Christ. And that's the same place it's going to come in your life when you could point to how Jesus has shown up in your life over and over and over again. And I might add this, okay, I'm just to throw this little caveat in. Jesus doesn't show up in our lives one time. Jesus does not just show up at salvation. Jesus, like, that's the first time, but it shouldn't be the last time. Jesus should be showing up over and over and over in our lives, continually bringing us through what we call um, in theology sanctification, which is just a fancy word for spiritual growth. He's stretching us. He's pointing out areas where we are stumbling so that we can look at how we might grow in that area. And it never stops. And so don't be discouraged that if you look at a place in your life and you go, man, I'm really screwed up right here. Like, don't get discouraged over that. Look at that, invite Jesus into it, and let him start doing some work in it so that you can find freedom from it. And then what are you supposed to do next after that? Look for another place where you're screwed up because you're screwed up. Did you know, like, do you guys know that about yourselves? Like, I know that. Like, I know that the Lord has done a work in me. I know he is in me. But I know that part of me still rises up and doesn't let him be Lord. And when I see that happen, I have to repent and let Jesus be Jesus of Jimmy in that moment. And that's the beauty of the gospel. It's exciting to know that the Lord doesn't reject me in that. He wants to continue working in that. What you cannot do is get comfortable doing that. that that's, that's, that's taking liberty with the gospel and not letting it do its work in you. You cannot be comfortable with your sin. You've got to hate sin. That's what happens in your life when you're born again. You hate the sin that is in your life, and you want to continue, continually like release it to the Lord so you can do a work in it, and he can heal you from it and, and take you down the road of freedom that he's wanting to take take you down. Um, here's the next one. When you give God something, he will do something with it, okay? And, and just real quick, quickly, how do we see that? P- Peter offered the invitation, and right of that, after that, he offered to help him. The man had to take Peter's hand when the offer was given, so there is an offer to help. Sometimes that's what we need to be, is we need to be offering to help others, Then the man had to take the hand. Sometimes we need to take the hand. Sometimes we need to be people who go, man, I'm broken in this situation. Here's a brother who's worked through it. Here's a sister that could work me through it. I'm going to take them by the hand and say, I need help in this situation. Peter offered the hand. The beggar took the hand. And Jesus did all the work. Okay, why? Because humility was displayed on everyone's part. The identity was in the proper place, and it was a moment where the kingdom could break out because people were what? Believing in the name of Jesus. And that's what that's how the kingdom moves, is we're offering to help people. And, and we're afraid to do that. Like there isn't anybody in here that if your neighbor, if your neighbor was like moving, oh God forbid, right? But if he was moving, what would you do? You would help you would just say I'm going to help this guy but when it comes to the kingdom and sharing Jesus we're terrified why why are we terrified of sharing our faith because we think that nobody needs help yet we are the people that like we, we look at our own lives and we go I needed help my neighbor needs help too. So don't be afraid to look at those opportunities and go, man, this is an opportunity for me somehow, some way, to let this person know that I am a person of faith. Okay, so, so uh, when you give God something, he'll do something with it. One more in the big idea. When the kingdom is shared, spiritual family is created. When the kingdom is shared. Notice what happened in this guy's life. It says in verse 11, It says, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, he wouldn't let go of them. Why wouldn't he let go? One, he was excited, and two, I think he was hungry for more of Jesus because of what he just experienced in his own life. And so spiritual family happened in that moment. We don't know exactly what this guy did, but I would would be willing to bet he did something amazing for the kingdom, and one day we may get To to learn about it. And so he stayed with them because he was hungry, family was created. And and here's the big idea that I want you to take away from from all of these observations. Sometimes we are expecting small things when God wants to do big things. The guy was expecting money, and he received a healing. His whole life was shifted. And so God didn't give him what he wanted, he gave him what he needed. And, and he was willing for God to do that. So he, he went from this, this position, position of being a broken beggar to a proclaiming praiser, like just instantly, because the Lord did a work in his life. And so right now, you may have some things going on in your life, and you, you think this is what you want. you got to look for God to give you what you need, not what you want. And it has been my experience as I've trusted the Lord and followed Him that over and over and over again, he has went beyond my expectations, okay? And he will go beyond your expectations. But he only operates when we're willing to have faith and function according to the ki- principles of the kingdom, not the principles of the world. And that's, that's the big hang-up, I think, for the, uh, American Christians right now is we're so, we're so comfortable with all the world has to offer us all the amenities of the world that we're desensitized and we don't realize that the the thing that we're really missing that's going to bring contentment in in our lives is our relationship with Jesus. And so that comfort that's coming from all of these false things is the very thing that keeps us from experiencing incredible freedom in Christ. And so be aware of that and know that the Lord wants to do something in your life and don't take the counterfeit contentment. Look for the Creator to be the one to make you content. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.